Now we're going to take a look at one big reason why some Chicago neighborhoods are booming while others never seem to get investment. We're looking tonight at mortgage lending. Loans to buy homes represent a critical way money moves into communities. And whether neighborhoods get a little lending or a lot impacts life there for all residents. WBEZ and the nonprofit newsroom City Bureau have been analyzing seven years of home purchase lending in Chicago. And we find patterns reminiscent of redlining, with banks and other financial institutions lending in black and Latino neighborhoods just a fraction of what they do in Chicago's white neighborhoods. WBEZ's Linda Lutton examines what that looks like in neighborhoods where banks don't lend. Aisha Butler is a huge cheerleader for her south side neighborhood of Inglewood. And for a few years now, Butler's been rallying neighborhood residents to, quote, buy the block, buy a home or a vacant lot or an abandoned building near them. Getting people to really look at Inglewood as a place to invest and to purchase properties that are here and available. I mean, we have a lot of homes that could be renovated. She believes ownership is a recipe to turn the community around and challenge crime, poverty, and disinvestment. And she's taking her own advice. So this is um, 62nd and Bishop. Um, this is one of the properties. Butler is rehabbing this sturdy brick two-flat, and eventually she wants to sell it to someone who will live here. She got the building through nonprofit loans and grants, but she's worried about what comes next. If you want to sell this property on the market, yeah, right. that that buyer is going to need a... a loan. That buyer is going to definitely need a loan. I mean, unless somebody's walking around with 200 k in their pocket. And because we were hit so hard when the market crashed... Back in 2008. Lenders are just not running to Inglewood. And the numbers WBEZ crunched show it's not just Inglewood, but Chicago's black and Latino neighborhoods broadly. Over seven recent years in Chicago, 68% of all the money banks and other financial institutions lent to purchase homes has gone to majority white neighborhoods, 68%. Meanwhile, just 8% of home loan dollars went to black neighborhoods and a little more to Latino communities. That's despite Chicago having pretty similar numbers of white, black, and Latino neighborhoods. Butler says people want to buy. It kills me because when you have a room full of 150 people willing to do what they have to do to purchase property in Inglewood, and and we have banks here. You know, Chase is here, Bank of America is here, U.S. Bank is here. But over seven years, when Chicago was booming, those major banks collectively did just 33 home purchase loans in Inglewood and West Inglewood. That means some of the biggest banks in the country did fewer than two loans a year across six square miles in the heart of Chicago's south side. Butler says a lack of lending keeps buildings vacant and affects the entire health and viability of the neighborhood. Come on, Butler says, it should not be so hard to invest here. We know we don't have the best schools and we know that we don't have a, a thriving retail business corridor. So for somebody to make the decision to purchase in a community like Inglewood, I mean, come on, it should be stacks and stacks and stacks of, of opportunities for them to do that. Our findings show the stark lending disparities affect even middle-class communities of color. Hello, sir. Hey. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 
On lots of Saturdays, home buyers can take a trolley tour of homes for sale across several historically middle-class communities on Chicago's South Side. We have two trolleys so that if you prefer the all natural, you're welcome to get on this one. Nidra Sims Fears is executive director of the Greater Chatham Initiative and a tireless neighborhood booster. She narrates as the trolley rolls by stately brick two flats and bungalows with tidy lawns. So I just want to get a, a quick show of hands. How many people are actively looking for homes now? Hands shoot up on the trolley. Just a couple years ago, Sims Fears was house hunting herself in Chatham, where she grew up. And wow, did she find a house. That's a fly ball, beat the left, back, back, that's it, that's it, hey, he did it, Ernie Banks got number 500. Yep, Sims Fears stumbled upon the home of Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks. So this is a ginormous bungalow that was built in 1907, 3,500 square feet on the first and second floor. The craftsmanship is just phenomenal. Corner lot, quiet street. The first floor? It is basically a wall of windows, and so you really feel connected to the neighborhood and to the landscape. In the living room, two bookcases are lined with Chicago Cubs red felt. That is where we are told he put all of his trophies. Asking price for the huge corner bungalow was $250,000, but it needed work, a lot of work. None of the windows opened. They weren't operable. The only sink in the entire house at work was the kitchen sink. Sims fears talked the seller down to $160,000. But when she went to get a bank loan, she ran into problems. And those problems have nothing to do with Sims fears or her husband. They have good incomes, good credit scores, good assets, and they planned on doing $200,000 worth of work on the house. That's when appraisers determined that even a completely remodeled house with a modern kitchen and a mother-in-law suite would only be worth $300,000, shockingly low. Sims Fears believes there's one reason for that. The house is in a majority black neighborhood. The low appraisal meant Sims Fears couldn't borrow the money she needed to do the repairs and upgrades, even though she could easily afford the loan. Her lender told her, you've got one choice. Go back to the seller and talk them down further. So it's like they were saying, okay, so this house, this 3,500 square foot, three bedroom house, Ernie Banks house, is only worth $100,000. It was a moral question for Sims Fears. Here she is, neighborhood booster, telling folks to buy into this historic black neighborhood, invest, build wealth for your family. Now she felt like the system was telling her to steal the wealth another family had built up. And I said, well, I know I'm not going to do that. I'll make up the difference. So Sims Fears took $60,000 from her family's savings and put it into the house to get the loan. Just to close, correct. The house that Nidra lives in, put that house a 4,000 north, that house is worth $1.2 million easily. The very same house. Zeke Morris oversees two dozen realtors at Exit Strategy Realty on the south side. He says between 30 and 40 percent of deals he sees, the buyer and seller agree to a price, but the appraisal comes in lower and banks will not lend at the agreed upon price. And a lot of times those deals, they die as a, a result of that.
There are whole neighborhoods in Chicago that see so little lending, it's like they're redlined. So why is that happening? Why are banks collectively lending eight times less in Chicago's Black and Latino neighborhoods than they are in white neighborhoods? Experts say current lending practices are built atop decades of past discrimination. The fact that banks denied loans in African-American neighborhoods previously means properties there need tons of rehab, making it harder to get loans across entire neighborhoods today. Discrimination can take place without anyone intending to discriminate, experts say. Metrics used to give out loans, things like credit scores, home appraisals, loan-to-value ratios. While they seem objective, the result is far less investment in Chicago communities of color. Profit motive also plays a role, says Sim Spheres. The average lender, they don't want to make mortgages for less than 200000 They really want the larger uh, mortgages. It costs lenders roughly the same to process a small mortgage on the south side as it does a large one on the north side. But there's less profit in the smaller loan. And so they just look like they're closed for business. Right in Chatham. J.P. Morgan Chase has not one but two branches with a total of $80 million in deposits. But Chase gives out an average of just three loans a year here in this historic middle-class black neighborhood. And for every dollar Chase lends in Chicago's black neighborhoods for home purchases, they lend $41 in Chicago's white neighborhoods, the worst record of any of the city's major lenders. The private market works in white communities. The private market does not work effectively in black communities. Just doesn't. It wasn't set up to work, and it has not worked. Sims Fears calls on banks to confront their lending disparities and do better. She's a particularly savvy observer of all this. She was actually a deputy commissioner of housing under Mayor Harold Washington in the 1980s. And she worked for Fannie Mae in the 2000s, developing loan products to fit the needs of lower-income communities. That's what financial institutions need to do for Chicago's neighborhoods, she says, come up with loans that work for people in black and Latino neighborhoods. Smaller loans, loans that require less money down, loans that allow for a lot of rehab. Nothing has changed in 40 years. Sims Fears also sees a role here for the city. She says Chicago needs to see its housing stock as part of the city's infrastructure, like sewer pipes or roads, something that needs to be invested in. That could take lots of forms, she says, equity insurance in black neighborhoods so homeowners can be sure investments they make won't dip below a certain value. Special assistance for people whose homes need more repairs than their property is supposedly worth. Zeke Morris, the realtor, says Chicago's uneven development will not be solved without changes from the major financial institutions. I would tell the the banks that they need to figure out how to do their parts to uh, re-energize the communities. It takes a commitment that is beyond the norm. Unequal investment by financial institutions limits Chicago communities, limits opportunities for families. It's also setting Chicago up for a future that looks a lot like its redlined past. Linda Lutton, WBEC News.
reporting for this story also came from Andrew Fan of City Bureau and from WBEZ editor Alden Lowry.